This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know it, I know. I got you because that was wrong it's what's cracking everybody you guys already know <laughs> you guys want some bitcoin some ethereum anything you want you go to kraken.com we're not sponsored oh, oh but we do what we want to be all right well soon to be kraken.com don't go there yet until we have a referral yeah. code don't we'll go back. there yet right now can you hear me now yeah good <laughs> it's hump day baby we're here we are light a couple members christian not feeling so well r.i.p shout out to my man i hope he's feeling better landon tice is out doing all the gamblings he is in austin i believe now we, we should have like a little map tracking landon across the united states you know yeah, vegas like to houston to austin to mm -hmm. the pit of despair, <laughs> aka Florida. <laughs> um, I don't. We 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 have no show today. No, absolutely have, none. So we that was no it. Show. See you guys tomorrow. Yeah. That's it. Thank I you. just wanted to bring you guys in for the intro. Thank you all for being here. Enough and all, we're pretty lit today. Andre's yeah. yeah. already cut the, the pre-show was was fire. The the oh. pre-show was a little uh, I'm fired a little up out of today. line. Yeah, Melissa's in a mood, okay? Uh, All I don't I'm know. saying is don't come... Get my wives' names <laughs> out your fucking mouth. These are my wives. If you come for them, I have a taser, okay? That's it. You guys don't know, but she was literally in pre-production just sitting here staring off into the abyss, firing the taser in the air just to, just just to hear ranting, it pop a couple times. Ranting and firing my taser. It's just the, the sound is scary enough. It's, come for me, too, whatever. As a deterrent. But when you come for my why bitches, <laughs> was say, it was on the tip of your tongue. When you come for my bitches. <laughs> we're bad bitches, though. They are bad bitches. Bad bitches. There you go. Only bad bitches. Only. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do have a couple of things to discuss today. There was uh, a bit of news that broke yesterday. A uh, little jarring, uh, especially because like I'm in some of these groups, so I, I know how these scams tend to work, and they're. There are precautions that can be taken, but like people get pretty loose with big fucking money in these chats, right? So to give a little backstory of what I'm talking about, uh, there was a man arrested yesterday going by the name of Whole Baby. God bless me. Filippos <laughs> Likonuakos. <laughs> Close enough. Polycarnopolis. Leonukanos. Yeah, Lukanos. Whatever it is, twenty-three-year-old man who was charged by authorities to have been complicit in a Bitcoin scam that swindled as much as a half a million from a novice crypto trader. And the way that the whole thing worked was there are a lot of these OTC chats. Um, where peer-to-peer -peer transactions take place. Most of them happen on Telegram, and uh, usually they consist of a couple hundred people where hard vouches are the, the operating system, right? So it's, it's kind of just like you need to find a certain amount of people to make both parties comfortable uh, hard vouching. And should somebody scam, which has happened a bunch in the past, 
uh, it, it's actually happened a bunch in the past. What ends up happening is the hard vouches, then, you know, they either risk the reputation or they have to make good. Uh, and there are a number of instances where the hard vouches have had to make good on like pretty big figures, upwards of like 2.5 million um, over the past couple of years. In this particular instance, and this is a, a scam that is a relatively common one, and there's there's a way to prevent it from happening, which I'll discuss in a minute. But basically, um, young Filippos fished someone else's identity. And what I mean by that is, uh, I, I think that this began... This definitely happened on Telegram. I'm not sure if emails were exchanged or not, but basically he's able to create duplicate uh, profiles or what what looks like a duplicate profile, right? And this is a really common, common scammer hack. So they'll just take like, uh, I know that there was a scam running around for a while where somebody was impersonating Doug Polk and like the O in Polk will just be a zero instead of an O. And if you know, at first blush, it, it doesn't look any different, something along those lines. Um, so it seems as though he fished the identity of somebody that was hard vouched for. Uh, I I, or actually, I'm not positive it was hard vouched. Those, those details aren't in the uh, article, but it, it, you would assume dealing with a half a million that there were probably some vouchers exchanged. Uh, so ultimately he got the money sent to him. And the next day when the person who sent the, the, the Bitcoin reached out to the to the business person asking about like the transaction or whatever. The other person had no idea what was going on. At that point, they realized that he had been impersonated and that a scam had taken place. Uh, it's a little unclear to me how he got caught. Again, this happens all the time. Um, this is the first instance I've read of somebody getting busted. And the way that people usually get around this is to video chat. So you just have a live feed interacting where um, you, know, you, you make it, very clear that it's a real-time thing, right? Like back, uh, I know like when I first got on Gemini, I got locked out because I lost my password or something like that. And I had to do a live video feed where I was writing on a piece of paper what they were dictating to <laughs> wow. me, right? And obviously like they have my ID, so like the identity has to match. And you know, these are, these are pretty easy solutions. Um, having been in these OTC chats for the better part of two years, it's, crazy to me the the amount of people that are willing to exchange six and seven figures without doing due diligence yeah i mean half a million dollars is that's a lot of money to just be like oh i i think that's him so yeah i'm gonna send it on to his but address, like but okay so like another another fail safe is usually you'll send a test uh a test coin to make sure that it goes through the chain so like right. if you're exchanging Bitcoin, yeah, like, yeah, you just send so a like couple let's bucks a half a million, let's say that they're exchanging somewhere in the neighborhood of 11 coins, right? 10 and a half coins, whatever. Usually you'd send like 0.001 Bitcoin right. and make sure, and we're still talking about like, you know, a hundred bucks uh, of being exchanged in this instance, whatever. But you know, it's a hundred dollar risk to, to ensure that everything's on the up and up. Uh, I've witnessed a bunch of six figure trades where the exchange is literally, do you want me to send a test first? And the response is no. <laughs> they can't wait that half hour for like just, that extra just, half hour. No, just just ship it. I, I don't care. That's it's wild. like, really? Because it's a million dollars. Yeah. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, you know, technology, it's fine. Do we know how the guy got caught? I don't. Uh, it doesn't seem that they were very revealing in yeah. this article. I, I, mean, I didn't see it. Apparently he article. did this two years ago and got away with it. Yeah, so, I, don't, I don't know too much about that. So it the same uh, scam? So I, so I've heard a few things. Uh, first, I heard this kid's a poker player, which I don't know if that's corroborated or not. I don't see I'm sure he plays now. poker. 
I don't know if he's actually a poker player, though. Like, I think those two things are different. Um, but it was brought to my attention because the first headline that was demonstrated is poker player steals half a million, right? Uh, so it seems as though he's at least in the community in some regard. And allegedly, uh, a few years ago, he had stolen 600000 from Cord Garcia. I don't know how true that is. Uh, and I don't even know if it was a Bitcoin scam or if it was some other form of uh, potential theft, be it a backing arrangement where he won money or, um, you know, some some other, who knows. Cord put out a tweet today. He's like, hey, Cord, do me a favor, Garcia. So I'm not sure if it was backing. It sounds like yeah. something to do with plane tra transaction to me. Right, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully if that is traceable, uh, Cord will be either made whole or, uh, you know, Mr. Filippos will have uh, an additional charge tacked on to his sentencing. Yikes. Um, 23. Sucks. Hey, man, you're young. You take risks. You'll bounce. Yeah, these 23-year-olds, they're just kids, though, right? Maybe we should send them to juvie instead. Well, he is a kid. He fucking got caught. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he is a kid, but a try him as an adult. He's, a, he's got enough of a brain to well, know not to do this shit. Well, no, that, that part's true, but a 35-year-old would have got away with this shit. Probably. I was going to say, how many times do you think this has been done? Oh, Thousands. I, I know people yeah. who have gotten scammed for six figures like this. Like, it definitely happens all the time. Yeah, this is the scariest part of us transitioning into a cyber economy is that, in general in any sort of cyberspace that we're dealing with, the crooks are always ahead of the, the security. Yeah. Uh, and There's it's, more incentive for them. Yeah, way, 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 way more. And it really forces you as uh, a consumer or just anybody in the marketplace to really do your due diligence. But, I, I mean, it's tough. Like, I remember online poker... Man, I have, I have a really funny online poker story. Uh, way back in the day, uh, like 2005 when party poker still had step tournaments. Uh, so the way that they worked, it started like a $50 sit and go. And there were progressive steps all the way up to, I believe a $2,100 sit and go. Um, and you could buy in at any step along the way. So this, this was massive back then, right? Like to play a 2K sit and go where first place is gonna be like $9,000, no more. Uh, yeah, no, 9,000, right? So it'd be 18K in the prize pool. Usually they gave half the first. I think it was like 50, 30, 20 split. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, to play like a 2K sit and go where first place is going to be like 9K, uh, those, those were big big deals back then. Well, I, I started off like grinding sit and goes and these steps were like really profitable for me. And I remember grinding my way through. I never really bought in uh, anywhere higher than like maybe the $200 step or something like that. Um, and I had made it to the next to last uh, tournament and actually, I'm conflating two stories here, but I'll, I'll, I'll continue on with this one. Uh, my screen name was the same as my AIM, my, my AIM name. And, How uh, old are you? <laughs> We're old, man. I, I, used I, I was a teenager when the internet was invented. Yes. <laughs> or at least popularized. Um, when, I, when I was in 10th grade, I took a class called Intro to Internet or something like yeah, that with... with I, I can't remember her last name, but anyway. Um, Nikowski. Nikowski, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I took a class with her, and like it was literally Nicastro, teaching you. Nicastro. Or Nicastro, yeah. It was teaching you how to set up emails and stuff like that. I'll never forget this. John Bologna was in my class, and we were setting up Hotmail accounts, 
And so she's like, just type in hotmail.com and we'll go there and you'll set up your account. And he types in H-O-T-M-A-L-E. And this oh, dude no. <laughs> fucking swinging his dick everywhere. <laughs> so he pops up on the uh. screen. And he's like, Mr. Castro, I don't think this is right. <laughs> Uh, that's web one, am I right? <laughs> Sorry, back to your story. I still have that email address, by the way. <laughs> Somehow, MJ Berkey at Hotmail. You can email whatever Send the fuck you want there. Send your dick pics to MJ Berkey <laughs> at H O T M A L E. Knock yourself out. I literally haven't checked it in a decade. Um, but so my a my screen name and my AI they were the same. They were both Berkey eleven. And this kid at my table like messages me. And he's trying to talk me into uh, chopping the step tournament or whatever. And I'm like playing along like, uh, yeah, sure, man. We, we should definitely do that. And like as we get down to like three-handed and heads up, he's like telling me what he has. And like basically trying to uh, like, like if I go on, uh, then he'll have X percent of me and vice versa. And I'm like never agreeing to any of this. Man, I wish I could remember his name. It was like run run for the wind or something like that i don't even know but basically i'm just like this guy's trying to fucking scam me it's tough fish i'm just gonna scam him back <laughs> and i was just like oh yeah yeah man yeah whatever whatever you want to do whatever you want to do and i just fucking win the thing and move on to the 2k and just block him <laughs> <laughs> i was like well that was wow. probably what he was gonna do to me yeah. yeah um but the the real story i was trying to get at was uh this guy tried scamming because the big thing with the step tournaments where you they were non-transferable. So if you win the $500 step, you get a buy-in into the 1K or whatever, right? Something along those lines. You always, you're always progressing up the step and you have to finish like second or worse to get cash. Right. Uh, or you like remained in the step or went backwards instead. I can't recall, but that's anyway. Yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, I think, that that, I, I think that's what it was. You had to remain in the steps. They didn't give cash to disincentivize people from like just grinding Till you got to the last step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what ended up happening in this in this instance where uh, somebody tried scamming me is uh, we were playing a step together or something of that nature, and uh, he like starts typing in the chat. Uh, somehow we we started to exchange details on AIM, and he basically says like uh, I have like a step four ticket, which was probably like four hundred bucks or something like that. And he's like, I need cash. Uh, can I transfer it to you? <laughs> and I'm like, I was dumb. I didn't realize they were non-transferable at the time. And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, th th that's fine. Like, happy to help you out. Uh, and he's like, okay, like, I need you to send uh, X amount, whatever it was. It was a very small number, like 200 bucks or 400 bucks, something like that. I need you to send it to Western Union. Um, Target gift cards. Yeah, yeah. Target, <laughs> target, target gift cards. And he goes, uh, and I'll I'll send you um, I'll send you the step ticket in return or whatever. Uh, I can't remember how it happened. Like I definitely made a transfer, but I think it was like for less than he was asking. Like we agreed that I would send half, get the ticket, and then send the other half or something along those lines. So I think like what ended up happening is like I sent half. He didn't send the ticket and he was giving me the scammer reply of like, uh, it's, it's, it's in transaction or whatever. And uh, I immediately knew I was getting scammed and then decided to uh, do anything I could to scam him back to recoup the money. So I think what ultimately ended up happening was uh, he was, I, I was asking him if like 
he was able to cash out on party or something along those lines. And he was like, uh, no, that's why I use Western Union. Like, I, I, I have to try to, like, move everything. I, I go, okay, cool. Uh, I'll tell you what, like, send me 500 on party and I'll transfer you the, the difference. Uh, like, I'll send you the 200 more for the ticket or whatever, plus the extra 500 uh, through Western Union. And, uh, you know, we'll take care of your trans or your cash out. And he's like, oh, okay, perfect, done. Sends me 500 on party and I block him. <laughs> so I made like 400 bucks off the scammer when it was all said and done. I was so fucking proud of myself. I was going to say, hey, you thought you were the smartest person. Gotta teach him a lesson. Oh, because the panic that set in the second I realized I was being scammed was so bad. And my knee-jerk reaction was like to obviously... Just be like, what the fuck, man? Like, you're definitely... But then I, it dawned on me. It's like, you've already gotten got. Yeah. And this guy doesn't know that you know yet. So, like, do anything you can to recoup mm -hmm. that 100 bucks. And, like, the second that he bought the narrative of, like, oh, yeah, like, would you help me with the cash out? I'm just like, what's the max that I can get this guy to send me right yeah. now? Uh, based off, like, the small amount of trust that we've, we've put together with one of another. So maybe I'm the piece of shit when yeah, it's all said and I mean, done. I'd like to think I'm Robin Hood. You're like Dexter, but for scammers. I, I will take, I'll take Dexter. Yeah, not bad. I mean, there's worse things to be. Moral story is be careful out there. Goddamn right. Yeah, Do your due diligence. Be careful out there. There's a Especially lot. Especially in these, like, you know, gray market type things. Do we operate in any non-gray markets? Like us as, as poker, crypto, sports betting? Like, I what mean, fucking I legal market fucking are we in? <laughs> getting stuff from silk road when i was in high school so that was my first black market and i was like whoa you could buy anything here and there's reviews like this, <laughs> this person said this is the best ketamine on silk road i'm gonna buy all of it 10 out of 10 <laughs> yeah 10 out of 10 great ketamine it was though best it was delivery. very good 24 everything hour I, shipping yes and they, and they would send it in like a a little Chinese pack of cards, and then you have to like sift through the cards to find like the little baggie. I can't believe that there hasn't been a a movie done about Silk Road yet. Like, what's the hold up? They were selling yeah. like you could buy like a hitman on Silk yeah. Road. Oh yeah, <laughs> anything. Yeah. Yeah, they it made the dark crazy. web accessible. It was crazy. It literally made the dark web accessible, and it created a marketplace for literally Weapons, anything. Weapons, drugs, fake organs. IDs, organs, yeah, babies. I mean, you could buy anything. Who so, knows how real the... I, I stumbled across a... Um, because I, I went on dark web wiki because I was like, what else is on here? And then there was like this site that was... Uh, human experiments like documenting my own human experiments and it was like day one pregnant woman administered like 600 milligrams of some and i was like is this real like what am i reading i didn't find Where is this the, happening i didn't find the silk road until or like dark web until i was about 18 19 i've already was already exposed to a lot of stuff yeah. Once I saw it, I was like, oh my God, what is yeah. this? Was that like 2011 ish? Yeah. Like 2010, 2011? Mm. That's when I was on it. 2012. Yeah, probably something like that. A little bit before so, that. Allegedly. I wasn't, I wasn't, a, I was allegedly on it. Okay. Just let's make <laughs> that clear. <laughs> so I, I've never, I've never dabbled with the dark web. Uh, it sounds like you have. Yeah. What, what, what methodology do you go through to access? Um, like, use portal? a Tor browser and it's all the, addresses are something dot onion but is it like something that's just easily downloadable yeah the kid i used to, the kid that showed me used a different hard drive 
a separate hard drive and then you get on the Tor browser. Yeah. 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 It seems like it would be pretty important and to disconnect And then all of your messaging, phone. they would have you message like, you know, your address and everything through like P2P, like mm -hmm. encryption. And yeah, yeah. So. Man, I love it. I, uh, <laughs> I, so I have a comp sci degree. So we, especially like uh, I started studying in 2000 and graduated in 2005. So like that time the internet was very, very, very new. And cybersecurity was like one of the things that we had to take. So as an elective, I took a cybersecurity class that was taught by like a detective at the local precinct. And man, what a fucking joke. <laughs> it was literally a semester of me looking at dicks in chat rooms. It was so So fucking, you loved it. It was awful. It was so dumb. So like literally he would come in. We didn't learn anything. I knew nothing more about cybercrime other than like what was punishable. Right. By the time I left there, we would spend 15 minutes per class hearing the lecture he would get, he would intro with some sort of like 15 minute long lecture mm -hmm. and then next 45 minutes every single day twice a week for an entire semester was get on yahoo chat rooms pretend <laughs> to be a 14 year old girl Wait, and send me all the dicks that, that get sent to you so no way. Fun. that sounds it so was fucking fun. awful man <laughs> i would love to be a decoy i always wanted to be one and i think i could oh it was so easy yeah. it was so easy That's especially like we're all dudes so we're literally just in there, like, posing as teenage girls. Oh, my God. I know that they do this, but, like, isn't that entrapment? I, I don't think. No, that's what, that, uh, it's happened. So, like, I know they the do the show. Yeah, it it really should be entrapment, I think, but, like. Well, I, yeah, but it's diff I guess it's allowed when you're trapping pedophiles. Right. <laughs> and on the web, exactly. maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. There's probably Man, some. Man, the internet's of... wild. I, I know, like, when we first got it, we were in high school. Uh, and like my whole group of friends, like Simmons and Jace and, uh, well, mostly Simmons cause he was the one who had the internet first. <laughs> uh, but like we would get on aim and you could browse, like mm -hmm. you, you could like search for people or whatever. And I don't remember what the parameters were that allowed you to search, but basically, uh, everybody was like ASL. So age, sex, location. <laughs> age, sex, location. Uh, <laughs> so like we would just constantly be finding females that were like our age, like mm -hmm. 18 female uh, wherever we didn't give a shit, right? Yeah. And it was immediately understood that if a random person DM or or PM'd you or whatever at that at that time, mm -hmm. it was immediately understood that like it was going to be for sexting. Yeah, always. Yeah. And <laughs> looking back, I'm 100% confident because we were always we were always like posing as a lesbian girl. Oh, and we were interacting with other lesbian girls, uh -huh. and I'm 100% positive it was just dudes, dudes and dudes. Yeah. You were just, just guys. Dudes and dudes. You were just guys sexting. Yeah, yeah. we were just a bunch of dudes yeah, sexting our fantasies hilarious. back and forth to one another, that's... sending downloadable nudes that we found on the internet back and forth that take like forever to show, like half at a time. Yo, do you remember? Uh, this is why I'm on story mode today. I don't even give a shit. Do you remember? Patrick, uh, the preacher's son who lived oh, no. uh, across the street going? from Gumby. Oh, Patrick, I can't remember son? his last name. He lived across the street from Gumby. <laughs> Are we just gonna ignore this? Say his last name, first but yeah. of, wait, okay, but on. I don't remember. We glossed over this yeah. earlier, but first of all, there was a kid named something Baloney, and oh, yeah. now John Baloney. That's literally his last name. Yeah, and there's B O is like Baloney. B O L O G. Yeah, that's how it spells. John Baloney, and then there's Patrick, the preacher's son, who lives across the street from Gumby. Were you guys in a children's? TV show, an animated <laughs> show? What's going on here? <laughs>
I'm waiting for like this some Scotch McDuck like to come way, out of the yeah. corner. This is small town America. Oh. I lived a very enchanted life. Gumby. Well, I, I, I guess I don't know. Gumby. You can say his last name. Yeah. But, his uh, last name was Gombieski. Gombieski. Okay. So his nickname was Gumby. Very hard to say Gombieski. So I thought you were going to say Gumby Gombieski. Gumby Gombieski. Don't be ridiculous. Anyway, Patrick had this scheme. So we were like sophomores when the internet first became a thing. It, it's, it's even funnier because he was the preacher's son. He would come to school every week with nudes uh-huh. that he printed out because he had a color printer okay. and the internet. Nice. And he would sell them for like a dollar wow. a page. <laughs> so we're just getting like a page of Cindy Crawford yeah. from Fair Game showing her tits, right. paying like a dollar at lunch for it. He's like it's the original OnlyFans pimp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just sli- <laughs> yeah. slinging nudes at, yeah. uh, at the lunch table. Wow. <laughs> What an entrepreneur, though. What's yeah. he doing today? Who knows? Who know, knows? Let's get Bitcoin. Gumby on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, call Gumby and John Baloney. <laughs> Why not? That the preacher's son too. Uh, <laughs> oh man, yeah. There was Gumby. There was Chichi. There you was Skimpy. Were growing up in that time, and in my time, growing up on the internet was when a like live leak was coming out and chatterbait the, and yeah and like e fucked and like all these fucked up videos and you know death videos. Oh, that so was, that was when I was in, of death? that was when I was growing up on the internet. So me and my friends would just send like the grossest, like most like, obscene things that we could send to each other and try and make each other throw up. I was like a sophomore in college when I first saw my first beheading yeah. and it, it changed me. I yeah. that was a became extremely <laughs> numb to anything like that by the age of 13. I can't believe a lot. <laughs> I can't believe there was a period in time where like these I don't even know what to call them. Mm. Like these these public crucifixions of yeah. people. Executions. Execution. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they go on today. <laughs> yeah. They happens. still go on, but like Jesus yeah. Christ, they weren't literally one click away. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, like you, you have to get through them. some barriers now to see it. Do you? I don't know. Probably I mean, not. I guess I haven't searched it I a long you time. Could, I bet you could find. He fucked like, like would just yeah, but it probably be, like, isn't the first a random hit beheading, on your followed by like a girl puking on a guy's dick, followed by like some <laughs> some old guys penetrating each other, and, oh, and we've been just through... cycling through it like until you're just completely. We've been some, through some real phases. I mean, there was meat spin. Yeah, that was Lemon popular party. for a, that. That was the original Rick Roll. There was Goatsy. Uh, like, I don't know any oh. of the websites you guys are talking about. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> meat, okay, so meat spin's we'll do a, a segment where we show Conrad all, <laughs> and we get a reaction video of all of his meat spin. The original Tub Rick Girl. There was Jar Guy. There was uh, Mr. Farts. Hands. None there of was this. the Pain Olympics. I mean, there was everything. The the coup de gras was two girls, one cup. Yes. That yeah. was that was that the end all be all disgusting. Was, of course yeah. it did. Yeah, but most of them didn't, and that one really did get me a little. I can't do throw up. <laughs> and then they're throwing up the poop. Like they're eating the poop, then throwing up the poop, and then throwing up more, and it's just like whoa. <laughs> derived like that fucking why idea did you make this oh, but that was the age of shock porn yeah I mean, they got some yeah, clicks yeah. and i grew up huh? during they got some clicks i grew yeah. up during the age of shock porn so it, it just rude. explains and, a lot and andre you got a clip right <laughs> <laughs> bring up two girls one cup <laughs> please don't and we'll shut us down was so quick. The, the birth of poo dog melissa then yeah it makes all the sense in the world that i ended up who I am today. I was born, I was raised by the shock porn internet. You were raised by the wolves of, I was, the, of wolves the shock of the porn internet. industry. Actually, I have a funny story about the first time I ever streamed and it wasn't on Twitch. It was on Ustream when I was 12 years old 
and I was just streaming with my cat, seeing who would come in and watch. You streams what we use for Solve for Life. Really? Yeah. So I used to just go on there and just, I thought it was, That's the technology stream. was cool. I was 12. The, the streaming platform. Oh, yeah, 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 And yeah. then I got raided by 4chan one day. Oh, no. So I all of a sudden had 800 viewers and I was so excited. And I was like talking to them and they were like, they're like, do a barrel roll. And they're like, write I, <laughs> they go, write I heart CP on your foot. So I'm like, okay. So I write I heart, which is child child porn by uh, the way. sure so i write that on my foot and i'm sure it's somewhere on 4chan. and you're also like 14 i'm 12 years old yeah. and i have i heart cp and i'm showing them the bottom of my foot that says i heart cp oh and then at the very end i told them i would take my shirt off and i rick rolled them mm. and, I, and that was my first experience with streaming and 4chan that that has built <laughs> The person that you are today. That is, sure. yeah. yeah. Rated by 4chan at 12. No business being on stream, but there I was. And now look at you. There I was. I heart CP. Yeah, guys. <laughs> do you like this? Now it's is I this heart entertaining deep? to you? Now she just like comes on the podcast with I heart DP yeah, on it. Yeah, I heart DP. <laughs> That's going to be clipped. <laughs> Don't clip that. Don't All clip right. that. Okay, you uh, sickos. As much as I would love to continue down memory lane, I'm sure we could do this all day. Uh, we do have some news that's a little bit close to home. One of our, one of the friends of the pod, friend of the company, Nick Howard, big day yesterday. He got second place in the Prime Social 5K. Nice score for him. A little bit over 300,000. Really big event. Uh, Justin Hammer has been there for about a year and a half now. And it's it's been quite the growing pains for them. I think they missed the guarantees on the first few that they ran. Uh, that were a lot smaller, obviously. Like, you know, uh, I think they ran a 200K, maybe even a 500K that missed. But they swung for the fence here. They went with a 5K, 2 million guarantee and knocked it out of the park. I think it got like 2.5 million. Big shout out to James Kroll Daddy. Carol taking down the title, winning the whole thing for I think 455K. Yep. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Cole's a long-time, old-timey reg. Mm -hmm. The man has been through war and back, to say the least. One of the good guys in poker. One of the good guys in poker, yeah. Not, uh, not, not really a fan of the boating anymore, I imagine. But uh, <laughs> save that story for <laughs> the day that we actually have him on the pod. Um, that's it. That's all I got. So that's going to do it today. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you guys all enjoyed story time with <laughs> Uncle Burke. Uh, no, uh, I did want to talk about a little bit bigger of a topic, uh, especially because I think that we do have a certain audience out there that is either young enough that they're taking on poker for the first time in their life or they're, they're taking on uh, investments for the first time in their life or new enough to poker that they need a little bit of guidelines as far as uh, how to navigate this life. And we've talked a bit about this in some of the previous episodes where it's like, you know, it's, it's a risky endeavor, right? Like poker is very much high risk, high reward, uh, as are a lot of volatile markets where there's a fair amount of money to be gained. Uh, so whether we're talking about crypto or poker or uh, sports betting and, and other comparable markets, um, your talent is rewarded, of course, but not without a lot of fluctuations. Nobody's graph looks like this. You know, there's, it looks way more like an EKG, even for the biggest winners out there. 
Uh, and the topic of bankroll management just comes up a ton. And it's ironic that I'm the one leading this conversation. But it's also <laughs> kind of a byproduct of like, you know, with age comes wisdom type of thing. Like, you've been there, you've done it, you've seen it. And uh, I think I can speak a little bit more appropriately to this topic than somebody who just started with a certain amount or, or like started with free rolls on party poker in 2003 and never had the deposit. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you're blessed. <laughs> like that's just not really a thing that can be replicated, especially not in today's day and time. And uh, it's not a coincidence that we're having this conversation when the two people in our crew who have never gone broke <laughs> happen to be absent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that all of our stories uh, and pitfalls, trials and tribulations can serve both as a warning and kind of as a how-to uh, for anybody who's interested in this conversation. But even just on a personal level, I think speaking to the, the raw emotion and the, the, maybe the emotional swings that you suffer through whenever your bankroll is flush versus bust. Um, I'll kind of kick it off a little bit and give my trajectory and uh what i feel like i learned the most over 20 years of being in this industry um you know when i came in in 2003 same time as brian it was a brand new market and new markets always have first movers advantage so being skillful or at least perceiving yourself to have some level of skill in a new market where you're able to capitalize on a lot of the dumb money so to speak uh, will just naturally give you a leg up on any future generation who tries to duplicate what it is that you're doing. So it'll always be very difficult from our vantage point to say like, oh, you want to get started in poker? Here's the ABCs of what you should do in order to be successful. Uh, and I found myself having that disconnect with people who are kind of in the thick of it now where they're looking to build. Because when I was coming up, it was just play the biggest game in the room. If you go broke, find a way to get or find a way to get started again, and then rinse and repeat until something breaks. And that was kind of a tried and true method. Uh, you know, I I think it was no, it was Marchese that uh, I was talking to this about. Like, it, it, we were at the same table in the 2016 Super High Roller Bowl, and we were talking about uh, some of the young talent coming up at that time. Fedor being one of them. And he made a really astute comment that I think is worth noting because it goes overseen uh, by maybe the general populace and it really speaks to survivorship bias. Uh, we were talking about just like how talented Fedor is and he goes, yeah, but like he's not special. And we were kind of just puzzling like, why? What, what, what do you mean? And it's like, well, if it takes a certain amount of attempts, right? Like there's no predetermined amount of attempts before you break through. Some people get through on their first try. They win a free roll and never have to redeposit, right? But a lot of others like myself take them hundreds, maybe thousands of iterations of going broke or nearly broke before finally the dam breaks and you're rewarded with a positive upswing, right? So his point was basically, if it takes a, th if, if one shot at this costs $1,000, for instance, and that's going to be what defines whether you make it or break it in this industry. You're dead. You literally have no shot. If you have a 1, 1K shot at this, that's it. You are as close to 0% as possible to actually making it in this industry. 
uh, and I'll kind of elaborate on why in a minute. But if you have infinite 1K bullets, you're almost guaranteed to find a way to eventually make it because there's such a big learning curve through your first iteration and your last that if you can get to the last, you're almost certain to acquire a certain knowledge base or skill set that allows you to be profitable in this industry. And his point basically was like, yes, I'm not taking away from the talent of Fedor, but a lot of that talent is a byproduct of having 1K reloads over and over and over again when the shit that he's trying didn't work out, right? That's really what it boils down to, right? Uh, is when you're talking about bankroll management is how, how replenishable are these shells that you're firing? Because the more replenishable it is, either because it's a small amount of money or because you have passive income coming in, the more risk you can take on. And this kind of carries us back to the Rampage conversation that we had earlier last week. He is able to replenish, maybe not to the full extent that he's losing that quote-unquote 100K buy-in, but he's able to replenish enough to the point where it's not he won't ever be out of action, right? He may have to step down a stake level. He may, be on, he may not be afforded to take as many shots over some time frame, but he is still in a position where he's going to be in action and that is going to carry some sort of bottom line to it, attached to it, assuming he's a winning player, right? So he'll be just fine. If you have no ability to replenish the, the amount that you're risking, then suddenly going broke is an inevitability. And this is something that I've spoken to Conrad about a lot. It's the idea of the gambler's ruin. And what it's basically saying is if you're taking on a certain level of risk, there's a certain level of ruin attached to that, right? There's always going to be a risk of ruin attached to taking risk. If you never reduce the amount of risk that you're taking, uh, parallel to the depletion of your bankroll, you are certain to go broke. So in other words, if I, if I take a shot and I risk 10% of my bankroll in a spot and it costs me $1,000, so I have a 10K roll and I risk 1,000 in one situation and I lose, now I have a 9K roll. And now risking $1,000 again isn't a 10% risk, it's, it's greater than, right? And it'll continue to be that way each and every time. So if I had a risk of ruin of call it 20%, whenever I took my first shot, when I take my 10th shot, my risk of ruin is going to be damn near 100, right? It won't be exactly 100 because I can still win on that final shot. But even if I win and I don't reduce my risk, it will eventually become 100, right? I can never really achieve such a level of, um, of security that I don't ultimately go broke because once I surpass the initial 10K that I started from to begin with, it's very probable that I'll just increase my risk proportionally to the bankroll, right? And that's the simple definition of gambler's ruin. It's why it's so critical to have endless amounts of uh, ability to replenish. And it's also why I say that if you are young and the amount of money is small, taking on exorbitant risk is totally fine. Not because... I think that it's the fastest way to be successful, but it's the fastest way to reduce your risk proportionally, right? If your risk of ruin, if you have 1K and you're risking it all, your risk of ruin is maybe 50%, right? Uh, and that's really bad for us. We don't really want to put ourselves in those sort of investment spots, but there's a million ways to make $1,000, right? You can replenish the thousand bucks fucking delivering newspapers if you have to, washing cars, getting a, a part-time job at McDonald's. Like you can replenish that thousand bucks. So you'll get another crack at this, right? It, it, it works inversely too, right? Like, yes, if you never decrease your risk, 
you're guaranteed to go broke. But also, if you never decrease your risk, there's a guarantee that you will increase your bankroll at some rate as well. In which case, now you do have to de-escalate the risk. So that's the whole reason to take on disproportionate amount of risk to reward early on whenever it's a small amount of money or you have other means to survive. Because once you acquire some money that's worth protecting, now you de-escalate the risk and your risk of ruin is very low. So in other words, if you turn that 1,000 into 20,000 by taking on a bunch of risk, risking 1K at a time over and over, where if you did this for infinity, you would go broke. Now we have 20K, you de-escalate the risk. Suddenly playing one, two becomes manageable, right? Whereas maybe you ran it up playing like two, five or five, 10 because the risk was irrelevant. Uh, I, I think that, you know, I, I basically said all that to kind of like prepare the conversation and uh, just let everybody here speak to their experience. But that was something that was very hard for me to learn. Lamanda, you can, you can remember this. When we moved out here uh, initially, I was broke when we moved out here. I immediately had a 30K score and I was broke again months later. Yeah. Grinding 510 heads up PLO, a game that I wasn't very well versed in every single day on full tilt. Do you remember Andrew Wiggins? Yes. Do you remember how much I would bet? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I was risking anywhere from like 1% of my roll to 90% of my roll on any given day. <laughs> Connor just falling. Man down. Man down. Uh, like on any given day because I perceived myself to have a skill edge, which I probably did. But to what degree? And, and, and at what cost? Because the variance of taking on that risk in and of itself is so high, but it's also in a game that is infinitely more variance than the other game that I'm much better at. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it's funny. Cause you, you like had no risk tolerance at all. Like, I mean, you were just no intolerance or, or intolerance. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so like you understood the part about, uh, you know, when, when, when your, your bankroll is low, you should be more risky as opposed to when you have, when you actually have a role, then you need to protect it. Or like, I was the opposite. Like when like, I would have a big score, then I, want, I was ready to go. I, 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 would, I would be a lot more risky because I have money. So now I can be risky, right? But then when I would get down to like a, a you know, 20 or $10,000 uh, roll, I would just go into like panic mode and, 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 and try to be as risk adverse as possible. And that was, it was obviously a huge mistake. And it's just like, listen to it back that way. It's just like, I had things completely reversed. And it was just, you know, I, I it, from, lack of an, from lack of experience and, and, you know, those kind of things that it was very difficult to, I mean, to, to understand like what I was doing at the time. Yeah, I, I, I think you were more the, the rule than the exception. Um, Brent was the same way. Yeah. Brent was crushing online poker when we moved out here. He was the first one to run up a quarter million dollar roll. And the first thing he did was back all of us. Right. Yeah. Like I can remember him backing me and Brandon at the same time where we were playing a full Sunday schedule that was like upwards of 10K buy-ins. And he's also playing the same thing. It's crazy to like, think about how much risk was being put out there at like any given moment. Yeah. And, and I mean, to be fair, like uh, he's a case where it all worked out. Right. Right. I think he and Mercier are like two instances where it worked out perfectly. Half 
because they're, they were so talented that they were outperforming the risk that they were putting up. Right. So they were winning at such a, a, a fast rate that the risk was kind of being neutralized. But also, they were lucky to pick horses that were winning rather quickly as well. Mm-hmm. I had a mat. I mean, Brent only bragged me for a short period of time from you August '09 it when, you, when, he, when he backed you. I, I've never, I, I've never put in that kind of volume. No, again, from August of '09 until February of 2010, I was playing six days a week for 16 hours a day. Played every. There was a tournament on you were stars. At that desk in the living room, like literally every day, every all, day, all day long, and yeah. I hated it. Yeah, I oh, hate yeah. every second You're of miserable. it. miserable. But I, I, I just saw the money in the streets. Like, mm-hmm. I couldn't lose. There was a tournament that we called the Berkey. It was yeah. a 109 on stars at 3 p.m. every day. <laughs> I won it, like, four days in a row. Yeah. And it wasn't huge. It was, like, 13000 the first. But, like, it added up. Over that s- short period of time, uh, which culminated in me chopping the, the full tilt uh, Sunday special or whatever for, like, 100K, over that short period of time, I think I cashed for somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, I don't know, uh, seven, 800,000 and profited like 250 or 300 K that I chopped up with Brent. Yeah. It's like how lucky for him, man. Like we were, that means that we were rocking off like a half a million in buy-ins over like an eight, (laughs) eight month time span and somehow managed to make six figures each. Right. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's very fortunate. Uh, it could have went the other way. And then, uh, alongside that same thing happened with Mercier. Like he was backing Brent. He was backing Dan O'Brien. He was backing Alan Barry. And, He's also playing every single buy-in. I mean, yeah. nobody put in more volume than Jamers. So it's just like, and this this is back pre-high rollers, so like it doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, he's playing like a half a million dollar schedule every year. And then he's putting three other people in a half a million dollar schedule every year. Okay, that's like equivalent to what a schedule is this year. But understand that like the prize pools though they were inflated like these were huge events oh, man. we're talking about 1k open fields mm-hmm. right where they're where they're putting up a ten thousand dollar buy-in and stuff like that it's like and there weren't the big scores right it was a long time before brent won his bracelet yeah. and it was a long time before dan went to europe and crushed and before alan won his bracelet yeah. but they all eventually got there and jay was able to win at such a fast clip that they were never a huge burden yeah. along the way it's scary though right like that that could have and probably should have gone the other way for both of them much mm-hmm. more frequently. All it takes is about a variance. Right. And that was what got me into the position of being broke in the first place. And Conrad, I think like you of all people can, can kind of attest to this. No, absolutely. hundred percent. This shit hits home so <laughs> close, you know, um, especially since mine being kind of so re- the most recent here. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me personally, I came into, I never really had lump sums of cash, whatever. I always had the next bullet, but never really had the lump sums of cash. So when I came into a couple tournament scores this last six months, um, you know, might have lived life a little bit, a little bit of traveling, shopping. <laughs> but um, when you, you talked about risk of ruin to me a lot. I kind of ignored you because that's what Conrad does, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. I understand. I think you just have like this weird sense of pride and attachment to being the person who accepts being broke. Like, and I can, I can kind of speak to this a little bit from my own perspective. When I first started getting to play the big game, I had tremendous success out of the gate and suddenly I had more money than I could ever conceive. Like I, I just shot up from like being broke to having six figures again to now having seven figures all in 
I don't know, an eight month time frame. Literally, like I could look back and say, wow, eight months ago, I had zero fucking dollars. I had negative money. I was in debt. And now here I am off of a half a million dollar World Series, four months later, having a seven figure influx from, from getting to play the biggest stakes in the world. And my mind just immediately went to, you don't deserve this, right? Not consciously, but like subconsciously, it's just like, there's, there's a part of your consciousness that just says like, this is too easy and That's it'll last like forever. Literally the same feeling that I had and what led me to like this among other things, but I ended up putting myself in a really bad spot in terms of like busting my whole role, gambling, not poker slots and was just being extremely reckless but i remember right after i had like my biggest score just thinking i don't deserve this i don't deserve this and then my bankroll had hit like its peak and then i i was like also in this toxic relationship and it was just i instead of like taking ownership of it and leaving and like you know, like doing what I needed to do, I kind of went into this spiral and just like avoided my whole life, like gambling. And I ended up putting myself into a spot, which I don't know if any of you guys have seen in the chat, there's some somebody in there, you know, saying stuff, but it's, first of all, I didn't scam anybody, but there are still, you know, like remnants of of my past that are surfacing like every time I'm in the public where it's like what happened was I ended up gambling a shared role with my ex and then we broke up shortly after after I had gambled that he was like it's fine I expected that to happen blah 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 of course after we broke up it switched into she scammed me she stole from me and whatever it's fine there was lots of messy feelings involved and Nobody's like completely innocent in everything. I was very, very reckless and very irresponsible, but everything got paid back. Everything is like squared up. And, um, but I still like, it's still something that haunts me because for me, it's not that part, but it's the fact that I felt I didn't deserve uh, anything basically. And it led me to like self-sabotage really hard and, it's something that I think I still maybe self-sabotage a little bit in maybe I don't take as many shots as I should now or I'm overly like cautious with stuff or I'm, you know, I keep myself sort of small because I'm afraid of, you know, like somebody coming and trying to ruin everything because of mistakes that I made. Um, Do you think you were conscious of this at the time? Conscious of what? Like that I was... Like this idea that you didn't deserve the money and you were sort of self-sabotaging? Not really. Okay, yeah, because that's my experience. Uh, so this is something I ended up working out with Elliot. Uh, and to me, like, I... This was totally outside my realm of understanding. Um, but like, as we really worked diligently, what became very clear was there were certain monetary numbers that made me uncomfortable as a person. Yeah, 100K was for me. 100K was like the first barrier and then a million was the second. Mm -hmm. And I can look at both of those uh, milestones and see a a, a pattern of sabotage that led me to going broke. So off off the first 100K I had, and it's funny the way that I do it too. 
it's not something where I go into gambling and like find all these destructive mechanisms. It's the opposite. I get super charitable, mm. right? So like for me growing up, uh, a big backbone to what allowed me to succeed in life as far as like my vantage point goes is the fact that I was essentially raised by a community. Yeah. So everybody was willing to lend a helping hand. You feel whether, like you owe the world. Sort of like I have this mindset of like needing to pay it forward. And when I got my first nest egg, it was like I was caring for my sister, I was caring for my nephew, and I had friends who weren't doing quite as well. Mm -hmm. So that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was gonna say I was I was a beneficiary of that charity and, and I, I do appreciate it, but uh it was like, yeah, at the time, like I was struggling a lot and 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 you know, I was I, w I wasn't doing well and then Berkey has a score and he's just like, I'm gonna back you and and you know, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out and you're gonna do better and that didn't happen and <laughs> Yeah, it was it was but, weird too because it's like I'm also managing his relationship with risk mm -hmm. in a weird way because I'm overextended. Right. He knows I'm overextended. He cares about me not going broke, and he already has a fucked up relationship with risk to begin with because he's really conservative whenever it's meaningful mm -hmm. and really uh, like not not risk averse at all whenever he's flush. Right. Well, he doesn't feel flush because it's a backing deal. But at the same time, I need him to play as though he's flush in order to actually profit. And it was just like this big, terrible thing. Uh, second to that now would be like whenever I first got a uh, million dollars, I don't realize what's happening in my brain. I'm the greatest ever live. And <laughs> this money is just going to like keep only coming. keep compounding. Yeah. And I'm going to have 10 million before you know it kind of thing. But what ultimately ended up happening was a lot of the same. Like I start paying for... Uh, like I need, I need vacations. I need to get away. Like I need to escape a bunch. Um, and your standard of living sort of rises too. So a it's little, like... a little bit. Uh, it's it's very weird because as little as I care about money, uh, I I'm strangely nitty about certain things, and it's really just like, up. what's up? Just how you grew up. Not really though, man. Like I grew up poor. But I also grew up having it very deeply instilled in me that I don't need money for anything. Like it's just a transactional thing. But it's more so that I'm not willing to pay for things that I don't see a benefit to. I'll pay for convenience all fucking day long, mm -hmm. right? But I see absolutely no reason to pay 5X markup for this hotel room compared to that hotel room right. that are truly identical yeah. with the exception of like you get a butler with this one. Because mm -hmm. the butler I won't use, yeah. right? Or like the idea of spending like 1K on a meal versus like... $30 on a meal where in, in both regards, I'm just getting an okay steak. Yeah. Well, we know, we know how you feel about fine dining. Yeah. It's yeah. just like right. it, it little nuanced things like that. Like but it's I, something I just saves, saves you time. Like yes. time is like invaluable. So yeah. like, Correct. if it saves me time, I will pay for that. That's the resource I'm most right. interested in accruing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like I wanted everybody, it wasn't so much that my lifestyle changed that much. Because I've always been a spender. I've always been somebody who does not hold on to money. Like if I have it, I'm willing to exchange it for experience, for time, for convenience, things of that nature. Because I, I truly believe that's what it's best utilized for. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not saying I could have wrote Die With Zero before Bill, but like I understand <laughs> that philosophy yeah. very, very yeah. well. Um, but it was more so I wanted to raise everyone else's standards around me. So everybody else who grew up the way that I grew up that I've known my whole life, it's like, Hey, I got a beach. Like, come. I don't care. It costs you nothing. I'll fly you out. Like, right. let's just do all this stuff. And I just start spending hand over fist. I obviously don't go broke off this number, 
But this is where I needed to bring Elliot in because it was now affecting my play. Because it's literally like just a drain. Yeah. So I'm watching, I'm watching myself leak money in one area and then I'm playing like trash on the other side of it because... I'm getting I'm I'm trying to regress to a number that I'm comfortable with. Right. Right? Yeah. I got comfortable at a half a million. Mm -hmm. And I don't deserve a million subconsciously. Mm -hmm. So I'm really trying to force myself into this regression. And I, I I spend like the better part of a half a year just buried in makeup. Yeah. Like going from being a three million winner to being like in the whole two million. And right. it's just like, what the fuck has just happened here? Yeah. And, you know, thankfully, uh, I have Chin really to, to thank for this because I was very much of the mindset of like, this is variance. Uh, I have everything under control. It's not that big of a deal. Like, all I have to do is keep playing. Mm -hmm. But internally, I knew that wasn't true because every time I got the text to come play, a wash would come over me. I wasn't excited anymore. Yeah. I wasn't like pumped to go play 3612 right. with a bunch of people that I knew I had a big win rate versus. It was just more so like, today's the day my backers are going to cut me. Yeah. Every single day I would show fear, up. Like, Every day I would show up. It was just like, today's the day where the leash gets shortened to a point where I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Thank God they like had the foresight to recognize that like I'm still winning mm -hmm. and all I had to do is turn around. And it's like, we did the impossible. I, it, truly though, it's, it, it's, it's crazy to talk about these numbers in these terms, but it wasn't, it might've literally just been variance. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, yeah, I went on a 5 million downswing but we were playing like upwards of 1K, 2K. Right. So it's just like, what are we even talking about here? We're, we're, we're talking about like 25 buy-ins. That happens all the fucking time. Yeah. And it was over a That's sample. That's like a very normal downswing. Yeah. And it was over a sample of like 500 hours. So it's just like, who has any idea how much of it was yeah. variance? I can attest that I was playing poorly during that time. But again, like my I'm so biased. It's so mm -hmm. skewed. You know, I'm just losing every single day. So, of course, I think that there's a problem that I can fix right. because I'm arrogant. Yeah. I feel like going broke really changed. I mean, I just have gone over Like, this is something that has haunted me for since it happened. And I, for that reason, I just don't think it will ever, it's not possible for it to happen again because there, ha there were such emotional consequences to it. Like, I just beat myself up, like, so much for, like over a year and it's something that i still will go back and be like oh because the worst part was that i bought bitcoin and ethereum <laughs> with the money <laughs> and then like proceeded to gamble it away so i kind of feel like the opposite for myself like i feel like i'm chris rock and will smith in this situation. yeah i don't <laughs> I know where like, myself, right? I, I don't know <laughs> where like, you get this like you can just bounce right back and you're like, I'm going to go pluck that 25K bounty. And then you just do it. <laughs> like, for me, I'm like, I don't deserve anything. Like, I'm never going to show my face again. And, like, I can't believe I've done this. I, I had all these, like, opportunities. Well, to, it's like, different for you, too, though, because you're you're fighting against the narrative of being a woman who's not qualified to make it in this industry yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And then I'm also having people trying to discredit, like, my trustworthiness. Correct. And, you know. And, and, like, maybe even your abilities. So yeah. it's, like, it's this double-edged sword where, like, for Conrad... Go on. <laughs> Go on, speak. It's okay. I mean, speak. it's it's like it's it's somewhat like what Melissa's saying. Like this was the hardest thing for me to get through to you, and I didn't understand it because it's like you have this weird, arrogant pride with being broke, and like it's similar to what I was talking about, where like I was literally trying to sabotage myself down to a number that internally I felt comfortable deserving. Not for nothing, that whole little spill you just gave. Yeah. Before. 
86% accuracy. Yeah, it's obvious <laughs> in your habits. Like, the way you spend when you have money, the shots that you take. Like, you took endless shots. You played a $1,500 game. You, put, you bought into the $1,500 uh, Deuce event. And yeah, you cashed it. Like, fine, whatever. I'll table it. But, uh, final table. That's probably a min-cash, honestly, in an event that small. But it's just like... It's like the amount of arrogance that would have to go through your processing to arrive at I'm going to buy into this is more than I can comprehend. I don't... Like, it's... To me, it's not even arrogance. It's the worst part. Like, it's might be... Do you feel like no matter what like you will always like find a way to just bounce back and that's kind of what gives you like the it, the problem is it's from it. where i come from mm. so like my early poker career is dealing right so i've always and not even just deal i'm not dealing regular games i'm dealing pretty big games where i'm making a lot of money yeah so there was there was always a bounce back right and it was a large bounce back like, so if, like if maybe I it is that week, you expect it and then it does come <laughs> i mean I'm not going to say it, but, you know, manifestation is a thing. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. All right, low-key, low-key, this entire conversation was meant to be an intervention for Conrad, but now it's going to turn into a dual intervention for both Conrad and Melissa Listen, for the goddamn belief I in the dark would, arts. Okay, I, like, I wish, like, I want to believe that manifestation is real. That's the thing. I really want to believe it. Yeah, makes life a lot easier because, when you can just wish yes, on a fucking because, star. Like, I went through that stuff, because right? Because I've honestly yeah. not, like, since since I busted myself, like I've not like bounced back to that point yet. And you haven't shot. I haven't shot take because I've I have been like subconsciously punishing myself since yeah. then. Once you shoot, you'll be alright. Yeah. worry. you just gotta manifest it. <laughs> I hate you. Maybe uh, th this is what I'm talking about though. Whenever I speak to arrogance, because I know that maybe you don't quantify it that way, but it, I I don't know another qualifier that can possibly be applied here it's like to say i've never played this game before but i feel like i'm going to win even if it's just like a even if it's just like a sensation of like i think i'm going to play the lottery today because maybe i'm going to win mm -hmm. right it's like okay i understand the the irrational human part of us that like can can fall into those desirable windfalls where it's like if I don't if I don't play, then I can't win. That type of, of, right. of mentality. Or like when you think like you're on an extended heater. Yeah. Like I never believe that I'm on a heater. Same. And like, look, I understand how the brain can gravitate that way. The the issue I'm taking with it is like, your shot paid off, man. You had like a hundred thousand at this point, and the desire to now take like one point five percent of it and just be like All right, you're wrong. Um <laughs> About at which part? That, at that <laughs> moment, when I registered for that, I had seven thousand dollars to my name. For the five k? No, for the fifteen hundred. Oh, that's he, even he's worse. About the 1500 oh, no. reduced to seven. That's like even worse. And then after that, I final tabled the five k. <laughs> <laughs> when I had sixty five hundred oh, to my name. Okay, I thought the five k <laughs> happened first. Obviously, like, but the the crazy thing is, I think between the two, if if we put them uh, and compare the 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 quality of the shot take. I think the difference between buying into a 5K no limit in a relatively tough field in a game that at least you know how to play relatively well. Are we well, talking about the seven deuce? Yeah. Shot take. Yeah. Versus yeah. like buying into a seven deuce 
MTT where you don't even know the fucking rules. Wait, it's like, it's, play it's the a five strategy game. game. I'm going to figure it out real quick. <laughs> but it's, this is what I'm talking about with arrogance, right. man. Like, I've been playing poker for 20 it's fucking a, years and I would not put $15 in the event. It's the world series. There had to have been a better no, option. No, actually, it wasn't. It was fucking 11.58 and there was two minutes left of me to play. Oh, right. oh, there's there's nothing else to play. That's all you needed to play. I was tilted. I just busted the 2,500 and I was like, fuck. All right. So now we're getting into the train of thought. I just want to get, you know, what a fire. What yeah. So it's 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 this it's this combination <laughs> of of desiring immediate gratification, instant gratification, combined with the arrogance that it'll work out if you feed this barbaric side th I mean, this, this reptilian like, part of the brain. This literally sounds like what my brain was doing when I was playing slots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get caught in the blue zone where yeah. you're just like, pull, Yeah, pull, yeah, yeah. Pull, like, it was completely, pull. like, irrational. Like, completely, like, just, like, need the instant gratification now, and it will come, it will. And then How many times do you guys see a deuce to seven fucking triple draw game played? I don't know. Like I don't look because I don't know how to play that game. Those guys can't be that fucking good. Like, that's sure, the problem. The top is the top, but the middle's still like whatever. Let's yeah. let's the fight. Yeah, he's not right, arrogant but, but, at all. No, of course <laughs> this is this is insane. No, all I gotta say is let's get it cracking. All I remember is him just saying, "Listen, you gotta get out there. They're so bad in this deuce to seven tournament." And I'm just like, I don't know how to play that game. I don't even know what the rules are. Right, well, like, you show up, you ask him, hey guys. Like, I joke that I don't know how to play PLO, but like, I'm better than the average player in a PLO than, field. Like, I still don't fucking player. enter. Like, between the time sink and what I think my true win rate is in these things, it's not fucking worth a single cent to me. Yeah. And and that's the whole point. Like, I, I understand that you feel a little bit attacked here and like, you're, you're kind of like... No, I don't feel attacked at all. Well, whatever. Like, I you're, understand. You're, you're <laughs> responding in a very dismissive tone, but the whole point that I'm trying to make is that you're it, it's it's all about it's crazy to me that you're on the other side of it and you're still able to kind of like justify the the decision making in the past it's you'll never ever ever get to a level of professionalism where you start actually quantifying your decisions to the magnitude of return right instead you'll just always be a victim of impulse and there's no amount of money in the world that you can accumulate that won't allow you to go broke yes and no because like when I registered that 1500, like I'm, so, I'm sitting there, I'm like, what, how good are these people really? Like, this is literally what I said, said to myself. How good can like the middle be? Are they really that Better good? than the person who doesn't know the rules. But that's yeah. not really true. I've played poker like for the last 20, uh, 15 years. Like, sure. I can pick up games very quickly. Like, I'm not worried about that. So it's like, what? So whatever. People Fuck who it. register that There's event, no, no, people who register that event play that game. Right. Uh, how many times a year? 10, 15? How many times do you play in a year? More than zero. <laughs> I don't know why. Zero? That, you know, I got to start somewhere. What do you want me to do? No, you don't. <laughs> no, that's the thing is you why? don't. But you, why? Because you only have a finite amount of money in this particular moment. This isn't a, uh, this isn't a one shot that you're going to take a well. thousand times. If we're talking about from a money perspective, absolutely. Well, yeah, obviously, we're fucking talking about money perspective. Talking about registering the tournament, like whatever, I'm doing that. From a money perspective, what it's very delusions outrageous. do you live under? This is maddening what to is me. What is happening? Well, I just meant like from a, a, a metaphysical, no, like from a strategic point. Right. Like I'm registering. Like I don't care. I do you, a, but the part of management. the strategic standpoint like, is the one to one. Like Wait, you kind of switch back and forth. Yeah. No, it's this is worth mentioning. Like, do you understand that you didn't final table this as a byproduct of skill? Like you yeah. final tabled it because variance swung in your favor in a game that like you almost certainly could not have possessed an edge in. 
Oh, I definitely didn't possess an edge. I know that. Okay, so I'm like you, uh, but I'm probably not the worst. There's a hundred percent sure of that. Okay, I'm, sure. I'm like so your negative edge. So, so your yes, negative edge is a little less than you think. Why not just go fire fifteen hundred on blackjack real fast? Yeah, it would save you a ton of same. fucking time. I think my edge is way less there. What? At blackjack? We just agreed you have a negative edge at deuce to seven. Why yeah. do you think you have a larger negative edge at blackjack? Blackjack is fucking horrible. No, it's not. I've what is it? Like won, 50? I've never if won you a can fucking count, <laughs> If you can count, you can get it nearly neutral. Oh, you can get it above neutral. Well, slightly. Yeah, but I think yeah, that yeah. neutral no, is if you, you play, play perfect book, strategy, if, if right? You, if you play by a book, you only have a, a like a one or two. It's like a negative 1% yeah, negative, negative one. edge, one and a half percent yeah. or something like that. I've never won. You could just play slots as fucking negative 4% or something. Yeah, I mean, slots, you're getting, Don't you're do getting it, crushed though. pretty Don't hard. Don't do but. it. <laughs> Everyone listening, I know there's slot degens out there, and honestly, like, it's not worth it. Unless you can adhere to the Kessler method, whatever it is. Don't even do that, Kessler, because that's just a waste of your fucking time. Kessler banks, man. <laughs> I believe it, but it's he, how many hours does he have to sit there? and? I don't know. He tried telling me about it. Uh, he basically said like he could guarantee that I would, I would make 250K a year, but it made it also sound like it was a full-time job. Yeah, like, I was going like to say, what's spending a lot of fucking time? I mean, and you're a getting lot of that would, money would take $250,000 a, a year as a full-time job. Sure. But you're getting it I'm in not saying comps, you would, right? but I'm saying that's... But, like, the, but that's the thing is that yeah. like a lot of people wouldn't, it, it's, it's not that black and white. Right. So you have right. to have like 10x that capital right, exactly. to yeah. invest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For which sure. means that you it's could be doing literally tiny, anything else to get right. a 10% return. Exactly. Right, yeah. right. Right. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, it's, you it's not. You could buy as, like some just, shitty stock. And right. And I also don't think that. It's, double that on Anchor. I also don't think that it's like cash that's just handed to you, right? Like I think a lot of it is just like. It's in comps. And if you live here, then you don't need to stay in the hotels unless you're like selling your hotel rooms or something. How are you going to get the cash? Right. Like I'm putting my hotel rooms on Airbnb. No, it's like you get this back, but with a like you have to. It's like free back. play it. You know, yeah, yeah. it's not like yeah, you got to wash it all. Yeah, it's a, it's a fucking nightmare. Um, anyway, the f I, I guess like to to put a button on this, uh, I don't want to make Conrad the the poster boy for for bankroll no, I mean, management or lack thereof. We've all broken ourselves. Yeah, I, He's I guess gonna be the poster boy for uh, Kraken. I guess the, the point that I'm trying to make is that, and this is one that I was trying to make to him in real time, is that there has to be an amount of money that you can acquire that changes your view of risk to a point where protecting your current state is worth more then let's call it doubling mm -hmm. your current state. Like where it turns into like you have a nest egg and you're sort of chipping off a little bit to multiply that and then returning it to the nest egg rather than just throwing your whole nest egg into a roulette wheel right. and being like, let's open hits. Right. At some, at some point, you get beyond the desire to look for multiples of return on your current financial state mm -hmm. and instead look for fractional return, Yeah. right? There's some number where you're not trying to double anymore. Right. There's some number where you're not trying, like when you have 5K, you're trying to 10X. That, that has to be like the goal that you achieve. It's like when I get to 50, mm -hmm. I'll deescalate my risk to something else. And like, even when you're at 50, you're, you're probably looking to double. And the right. reason being is because you get the ladder in the actual arena that you're in, the more you're able to acquire. Yeah. But there are certain thresholds that you reach where it's not okay to go from that current position back to zero, mm -hmm. right? Like you cross the 100K threshold. Yeah, of course you can go broke. 
And people will and have, and I, I'm one of them. I can attest to it. I went broke off 300K. Like it happens. It's fine, mm -hmm. but it's also not fine. Yeah. Right? Like it's not fine to do again. Correct. Like you have correct. to learn to, like for me, like I, I honestly don't think that that could happen to me again. And even now, like when you're saying like when you have a little bit and your, your goal should be to double it, I realize that I'm doing like what people should be doing when they have like, a big nest egg and just but i'm doing like these low risk things when i don't have a lot so i'm just sort of making like a little bit that's what at brian time. said he was guilty that's of exactly yeah and now like do. i've swapped yeah. to the complete opposite mm -hmm. end where i'm just sort of not like getting anywhere because yeah. i'm just like not taking much risk you die that way too yeah, yeah. So you die a long painful right. death that way yeah what? i'd be scared if i can't figure out a number Yes, Conrad, you should be like, <laughs> you keep making light of all of this, but, but there, there's a lot of deep seated things going on that will never allow you to play poker professionally. Conrad, and, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Are you just like, you think you're addicted to like the, the thought of just being in the game, like having that hope and chance? Um, it could be slightly. I could definitely just being in action in general. Just yeah. Like, yeah. I could definitely see that. Because, like, it seems like your framework for making decisions is completely different than a bankroll. Yeah, I just want to be there. I want to be in the mix. This, this is a bit why I refuse to partake in, like, helping you get back on your feet, so to speak, from a backing standpoint. It's not because I don't believe in you. It's not because I don't even believe that you can win. I do. It's because I don't, I don't want to uh, further the narrative that you'll just always be in action. Because I don't believe that to be true. I think that people with your skill level are a dime a dozen. And I think finding somebody who has infinitely more bankroll management than you would be a much better investment. So it's, it's, it's tough as a friend to watch you constantly get positive feedback loops for very negative behavior. And it's very difficult as somebody who wants the best for you to, uh, to like get that through or to communicate that to you whenever the response is, it's fine, I'll pay it back or I'll make it back, or I'll always get back in action. Because it's not fine. Someday you won't get back in action. Someday you will just have to face the fact that you have five or six figures worth of debt and no ability to ever get out. Because as soon as poker is taken away from you, so is the end result of you actually having the, the, the saving score. There's no other industry you're going to fall into that you can wake up tomorrow and just be handed six figures. Mostly crypto. It's the same thing. I mean, but, it's but, crypto yeah. and, but, but crypto yes. and poker, they translate thing, very, yeah. very, yeah. very much. But also, it's just not going to happen in crypto and, either. Right. We're getting into a more mature market. You're yeah. not going to get into crypto with a thousand bucks and wake up tomorrow with a hundred K. It's very, very unlikely. Yeah. Correct. But, yeah. That, that, those days have come and gone. But he can right. always find a way into a 1K tournament that he rips off for 125 until he just can't. So the second that that gets taken away, how on earth do you ever er eradicate like debt or or even just uh, a means to an end moving forward right and that's the big thing that i don't think people who are caught in the shit right now understand poker is a mature marketplace you can't keep starting from zero there are other people starting from zero that have a leg up on you as far as like drive or the ability to replenish or study or knowledge or network there's just a million things that can be leveraged in a mature market that allow others to get a leg up faster. And also you're dealing with the barrier of having to keep up, right? This market is growing, not, sorry, not growing. It's shrinking 
while the the difficulty is growing exponentially day over day mm -hmm. the edges are shrinking like every day yeah except in those one three match stack mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big edge there they're not a lot back online though those edges are tough online you make yep. like you have to be like you make one mistake and it just ruins your win rate for the day like it's it can it's it's tough it's really tough to keep up and it's a it's a full-time animal like if god i i actually wouldn't if i had to start over tomorrow i just like wouldn't i, I would just have to find an industry with a higher ceiling that allows for more margin of error mm -hmm. but if i had to start over tomorrow and i was like taking the pursuit of grinding my way up online you know turning a couple thousand into hopefully a bankroll starting at the micros if i had to do that I would look way more like Landon than I look like myself, right? Mm -hmm. It would be 12 hours of grinding followed by six hours of study, sleep, wake up and do it again. Mm -hmm. Like the time to eat, the time to socialize, the time to get in shape, the time to have balance is for when you're out of the shit. Yeah. And that's not a way that I want to live. Like even when I was in the shit, I always had the anchor of my day-to-day -day life that was so well-grounded and disciplined. Mm -hmm. And this is something that, you know, we, we breached on it last week. You guys kept pressing me to bring up the topic, but it, it wasn't the right format. Uh, this is what I was talking to my nephew about. Mm -hmm. He's in this place where he's 23. He has this passion for cars. He has the skill to rebuild cars from scratch, to tune, to, to customize all this stuff, but he's no outlet. And he just doesn't know what to do. And I'm telling him, like, you just have to be patient. Like, keep working on your craft. Something will break. Uh, you know, I'm giving him the 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 encouragement to like start a YouTube channel. He's rebuilding his car right now, whatever. And he's passionate about it and he loves it, but he's miserable. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're miserable because you don't hold yourself accountable to fucking anything. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I, I don't know what you mean. And I'm like, I, I harp on him to eat well and work out. And that's it. And he's like, I don't care about those things. I was like, yeah, you as a 23-year-old, 23-year-old Eric doesn't care about these things. I get that. But what you're speaking for now is 30-year-old Eric yeah. and 40-year-old Eric. And I promise you, he's going to have a different view. And it's not right because now is the time that you build the base for all of your future self. So if you have no discipline, if you have no accountability, if you have no capacity to answer to something other than your, your carnal urges, yeah. you're fucked moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're operating in the world based on reactivity. Basically. Right. So every single day, he wakes up not knowing what he's going to do. He wakes up at odd hours. He feels groggy. He's not motivated. It takes him forever to get started. The only time he feels a sense of being compelled towards something is the actual time that he spends working on the car. Mm -hmm. Then after that, the project of filming it is difficult. The project of editing is because he's not passionate about that stuff. Yeah. And then the, the, the next time he feels fulfilled is when he's in a social setting with his friends or girlfriend. Right. It's like, yes. But understand, those things will always be there, and they are some of the things that you spend the least amount of time on, right? Mm -hmm. We saw that article uh, that, that kind of like went a little viral in the poker community talking about quantifying uh, time remaining, right? And it, it hit home to a lot of people because it was saying like, you know, if you think about it, once you reach adulthood, you've spent the majority of the time that you'll ever spend with the people closest to you. Mm -hmm. And that's true. And he was saying like, you know, if you think about your parents when they live in a different state and you're in your 30s and they're in their 70s and they have X amount of years left, you may only have like 50 more times in your lifetime to see them. 
Yeah. Right. And that becomes very critical. Well, it's, it's the same thing that I was like trying to convey to Eric. It's like, he's like, I don't care about working out. It's such a hassle. It takes out so much of my time, yada, yada, yada. I was like, well, at one point you cared, you were an athlete in high school. Mm -hmm. It it was, it it was meaningful to you and you were your best self then, right? Mm -hmm. You were disciplined. You were regimented. You were up every day at a certain time. You got this routine out of the way and it freed up the rest of your time. He goes, yeah, but like, it, it just takes up so much time. I hate thinking about it. It's like, well, the truth of the matter is the thing that you spend the absolute most time on outside of sleep in your entire life is wasting time. Yeah. It's doing nothing. It's literally filling the void. Right. And that's why you take such pleasure in working on the car and in being in a social setting mm-hmm. because it's a distraction from the void. So fucking pick something heavy up. Yeah. Because it's a positive distraction that lays the framework for discipline for accountability, and for all of these virtues that you're going to need moving forward if you plan to live a life where you're not working a nine-to-five and answering to some corporation, which he just absolutely cannot. Yeah. He's tried. Yeah. He just can't do it. And I think everybody in this room can kind of relate to that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, at the end of the day, like, it's another thing that I, I point back to you. It's like you're so undisciplined and so arrogant in the way that you use your money when you have it it's a byproduct of the way that you live your day-to-day life, right? Like you just don't have that thing that every single day you're committed to, right? Every day you wake up, well, you have 458 weed. 458, wake up. I mean, uh, you have weed, time. you have weed, but. We got this podcast now. <laughs> and, and yeah, right, but he takes a lot of pleasure in that. And yeah. I see it, right? He's mm-hmm. always the first one to say, what can I do? Mm-hmm. What, what can I do for the podcast? Give me something to clip. Give me something to search. Give me something to make. But it's because the void is so vast. Hey, I'm losing my fucking mind. I am so <laughs> right. bored. He's out of action. So fucking bored. Right. <laughs> but it's it's also why you failed as a video editor for us. It's why you failed as uh, a, a, like doing these simple tasks because you're not you're not dedicated. You had no discipline in the task. The more regimented we tried to make it, the more you pushed back against it. Right? It was like, here's the template for editing videos. And here's the amount of time it's going to take. Carve out X amount of hours a day. And you're just like, nah, fuck that. Day before, throw something together. Looks like shit. Conrad, that's not good enough. And you're like, well, we're out of time. What do you want me to do? Yeah, it wasn't exactly 100% like that. But yeah. It wasn't far off. No, it's pretty far <laughs> off. But it, Go yeah. on, I'm all ears. I mean, it wasn't. It was a learning process. Sure. Yeah. For a year and a half. It was one year. Okay, it doesn't take anyone <laughs> exactly one year. It, Eleven months. It doesn't take anyone a year to learn how to edit. No, and it you takes way longer than that to learn discipline to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine, but like you weren't even trying. Well, like at no I point throughout that year were you trying to be disciplined. I feel well, like you're wrong. honestly, in my experience, Me like doing it all. And I think you might fall into this category too of stubborn people who are do not get motivated by people telling you what to do, but you do get motivated by pain and reaching those like low lows. And it, and if you don't let yourself like feel into that and feel how shitty you've made yourself feel, you'll never learn from it because you just sort of will gloss over it and be like, it's fine, it's fine. But deep down, like, there is a part that is like, fuck, I fucked myself. And I think for me, I mean, I, I, I reeled in that. And, like, it has led me to be a little bit too risk averse. But it's also led me 
to make a lot of changes in my life leaks in terms of like I buy groceries now I I try and keep myself on like a healthier eating schedule I'm meditating and I'm doing yoga and all this stuff to just like keep myself from ever going back to a place where I'm going to put myself in such a shitty spot that I like want to die like I never want to put myself in that spot again so like I, re I resonate with that in a lot of ways uh, I want to work backwards the 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 routines that you're creating I would argue that the actual acts themselves may have uh, diminishing returns, mm. right? Like meditating every day, the meditating on the 300th day compared to the first day yeah. is almost insignificant. Right. But I think where the compounding gains come from is routinely doing it, right? Like, well, like it's like, it sort of gives you a security in yourself that maybe you didn't have before where like, okay, I can maybe trust myself a little bit more i can i can feel safe in myself a little more than i could before I, I think yeah and i think on top of that it also builds character in a way where you're like resilient you're yeah. more resilient right you're like i can do this every single day yeah and and understanding that determination and discipline even if you don't necessarily even believe in the returns but like and i quit vaping and nicotine right right so that that's what i mean it's like it everything requires steps there's no going from being out of all uh, disciplined nature to quitting vaping, Yeah. right? But developing discipline in the middle of that, in mm -hmm. the midst of that, will lead to better habits. Yeah, me. I mean, I never like planned on quit. I honestly just didn't think I'd ever quit. And then it just sort of, because like all of the other areas of my life were starting to balance out a little bit more, I just started, sort of realized like, I feel kind of shitty. Like it, this is going against all the things that I'm doing to make myself feel better. So like it's time, you know, yeah. it's, 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 the time has come. Yeah, to get yeah. Rid of this and I, one. I think the idea of like uh, speaking to gravitating towards pain, uh, that's something that like I can 100% wholeheartedly uh, both agree with and understand. And I think it's a, a big element of why I present uh, so stoically. And so I don't want to say apathetic because I'm truly, not, I, I think apathy is like the greatest disease to ever plague mankind. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think I present very neutral in my emotions a lot. Like yeah. maybe outside of uh, getting to know me a little better through this podcast, the average perception of me is just like cold, distant. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's uh, on purpose because when I let myself feel the highs and the lows, I would be manic in those extremes. Mm -hmm. And what I found was, I talk about this a lot whenever uh, I was talking about my come up and, and the idea of going broke, is we're goal-oriented creatures, but we stand to benefit the most from being process-oriented creatures, right? So you really have to reframe your thinking to process orientation instead of goal orientation. When you're in that lizard brain though, and you're goal oriented, what ends up happening is no matter how much money you have, zero is much closer than an unquantifiable metric that is right. the high score. Instead of like living in terms of compounding habits, you're yeah. living in terms of chasing. Right. Of resetting yeah. almost, yeah. right? If I can just run this bankroll down to zero and I can put myself in dire straits, what will end up happening is I'll start eating better. Mm -hmm. I'll start working out more often. Right. I'll start calling my family more. I'll spend more time with my friends and I'll figure out a way now to find something I'm passionate about that will generate income. And then it just, the cycle continues. Correct. Yeah. Because there's going to be some high score that you're uncomfortable with where zero becomes much more attainable. Mm -hmm. And this is all like these emotional underpinnings that are built into us through environment, 
growing up through trauma that we uh, experience or whatever the case may be, that if you don't fucking find a way to work through, you will just forever be that guy who's perpetually broke, who is like hitting up a friend for next month's rent. Yeah. And that, especially in a world where you have an option to be a worker bee or a leader and you try to choose the independent path, mm -hmm. nothing is worse than being the, the drain on everybody else in that arena, right? right? It's just like nobody wants to be the guy who's always in a situation to need help. Yeah. And that's always been something that really drove me uh, in my own regard is that like coming up the way I came up and having no choice but to accept as much help as I accept, I don't accept help well at all. Yeah. And it's just like, I just want to earn so much and I want to do so much for everybody else that I've paid it forward for 10 lifetimes. Yeah, and you never have to feel like guilty about like draining other people. Not even guilt, right? Uh, it's more so like if I stumble and anybody recognizes it, maybe they'll just offer without me having to to patron them for help. Right. Because I just am too proud yeah. and too like rigid and against the idea that I can't be self-made. Mm -hmm. So it's literally just like this giant insurance policy that my subconscious created where it's like, okay, well, we're very uncomfortable uh, I mean, kind it kind of, of that's one that kind of works in your benefit, I guess. This insurance policy, maybe. I'll be 80 still worried about like <laughs> falling on my face and having nobody to pick yeah. me up. So, like, I'll probably just be throwing you're, you're weight gonna around. You're going to be in the bathroom, like, bleeding out of your head, like, don't pick me up. <laughs> don't, uh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just go I'll in the other fine. room. <laughs> uh, any closing add, thoughts out of you guys? Good. Yeah, one, one thing. I've come at it from like the other side a little bit. Where, you know, I've, I really stick to regiments almost to a fault. Um, and I just want to mention the, the other side just for a second because I have a problem where almost I, I haven't lived my life because it's been rooted in so much regiment. And it's like the main thing that I know. So like, I think you've actually been very beneficial to me, Burke, in that like, you will go all the way in and then detach and like you do, you've done like a ton of ski trips this year. And I'm like trying to uh, converge to your lifestyle a bit more. But I, as much as I agree with like, hey, find that regiment, find that discipline. Um, you know, I mean, you know, my last 10 years has been nothing but that. And I'm kind of in a, a pickle now where it's like, well, I, I'm no longer with my fiance for, I was with her for 10 years. And now I'm in a position where it's like, what the fuck was I doing? I haven't lived life. And I think it's important to like, not get too caught up with going down that regimen route either. Well, like, I, I think it's less to do with regiment. Uh, and I'm, I know you well enough that I think I can kind of speak to this. It's less to do with the actual regiment. And it's way more to do with uh, understanding the fluidity of priority. So the issue becomes when your void that you're trying to fill gets more and more uh, fulfilled, what happens is now you have this, this list of priorities and no one should be more important than the other. It should always be relatively fluid, right? This whole idea that we're taught traditionally that like family and friends above all and then uh, work or career above all and then like, uh, you know, I guess self above all, whenever we're talking about like ranking importance, right? Think about how that plays out in a day-to-day -day, 
in a day-to-day world, right? You wake up and the first thing on your mind is like taking care of your family and friends and ensuring that they feel loved and protected and served and everything else, right? So you pour a bunch of energy into giving them attention, carving out time for them, et cetera, et cetera. Secondly now is career above all. So this coincides with number one, you have to ensure that you're able to put food on the table. So you carve out 10 hours a day to be there on top of the extra hours that you've already carved out to show everybody in your life that you care about attention, right? So now we've taken up 12, 13 hours of the day of our 15 to 18 waking hours. Okay, so that leaves us a few hours left. Well, now we have to look at self. First and foremost, I have to feed myself. Then I have to ensure that I'm clothed and bathed and all these little routine things and find downtime for my mind to just relax a little bit. Okay, that's three or four hours. What's left? Nothing. So how have I gotten to the gym? How have I enjoyed myself? How did I make it out to the bar for my for, for the game with my friends? You don't. So the level of sacrifice always comes at self. And that's a problem because of the rigidity. But if you understand the fluidity of priorities, what it actually becomes is my family matters a lot to me. My friends matter a lot to me. My career matters a lot to me. I matter a lot to me. I am above everything else because if I can't be the best version of myself, all these other priorities fucking collapse. Mm -hmm. So I carve an hour for the gym and I carve an hour to meet up with friends for a lunch or for the game or for whatever the case may be. And I carve some time to do homework with my kids. And I carve some time for me alone to journal or to play poker or to do something that I enjoy. And when it's all said and done, what we recognize is on no given day is any one of those ancillary things that I've carved time for more of a priority than ensuring I'm fulfilling whatever is most necessary for me right now. So if I have a deadline, the most necessary thing is work. If I have my kid's t-ball game, the biggest priority on my plate right now is the t-ball game and everything else gets sacrificed. If I feel like I'm depressed or down, the number one thing is me getting to the gym, period. And when we live that way, what happens is we're able to fractionalize our days, our weeks, our months, our years into utilization or, or into time utilization that fulfills us. But it also allows us to present as the best version of ourself to everyone else that fucking matters. Nobody wants to be with a crabby curmudgeon who's doing it for your good, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that's the worst feeling it's on like earth. The, this resentful undertone. Right. Like I think that I could definitely relate to that. Like just putting yourself aside and not taking care of yourself first. Like, and it comes from like the way you grow up too. It's like you you get the message that like you're not the most important thing to take care of and then you sort of like unconsciously like continue that going forward when and it's also in our society too it's very like sort of now it's self-care is like a thing but yeah. i think that this hustle culture has really sort it, of like well it's a weird thing because the 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 notion i'm really speaking to is to be selfishly selfless yeah and that's a weird contradiction right but it really distills down to just asking the simple question of if i don't address this priority today what's the worst thing that could happen mm -hmm. and like for you andre i think that that's like where it benefits the most where your plate's always full and it becomes a matter of like kind of delineating what can i sacrifice today and i relate to that right like I take a lot of pride in being able to sacrifice for the greater good and uh, being disciplined and regimented and all this other stuff. But it's like, I'm not going to pass on a four-day ski trip 
because I'm only going to get to the gym three days this week instead of four, right? Like I'll just find a corrective solution that compromises where it's like, even if I have to do pushups in my hotel, I'm still fulfilling this priority that's meaningful to me, but I'm not passing up on living my life in the, in the process. Thanks, buddy. Very well said. <laughs> Feels weird in here now. No weirdness. Can we get back to talking about poop? Yeah, where's the poop jokes? All Poops right. tomorrow. The people are loving this pie. That's all I got to say. I know. I think it's like good to be kind of real and raw sometimes. Mm -hmm. I loved it. It's real. Real shit. Like, yeah. even though I am the... I mean, this is stuff that's all affected us like in, in different ways personally, like really a lot. So, and I'm sure there's other people who are really affected by it. Yeah. So. And I mean, you know, we, we really hit home uh, the way that we titled this thing. There was a Bitcoin heist and we talked about it for <laughs> at least 80% of this podcast. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Life Advice by Matt Berkey just doesn't get the same fucking clicks. Nope. So... I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know it was a little bit more on the serious side of things. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow again. I think uh, we'll probably be less Christian and Landon for one more day. But we do have some surprises lined up. Uh, maybe a potential guest somewhere in the near future. We'll see. We might even be doubling the female population. Who knows? Ooh. That would be so fun. We can roast Berkey double. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Keep my fucking name out <laughs> your fucking but mouth. I do have something to say for anyone who wants to come for any of my wives. Keep their <laughs> fucking names out of your mouth, okay? Mama Bear's here. Right. That's going to do it for us today. Thank you guys all so much. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment. It helps us a ton. Uh, we are here five days a week. Don't forget to pay attention to our social. We'll let you know when we're going live, usually 2 o'clock every day. We'll be back tomorrow for a little uh, Thursday rundown of everything that's good in the world. That's going to do it. See you guys then. Peace.